hard cock for hitchcock i used to follow a tumblr that was called hard cock for hitchcock that's what i always think of when i think of alfred hitchcock was, nice. it, was it like a lot of dick pics or just uh, no it was stalking. like a, it was a it was worse it was a film tumblr blog you know if you're listening hard cock for hitchcock you were one of my mutuals and then <laughs> i left tumblr let's hang I, out yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure you're like 30 years older than me but let's hang out <laughs> I do like the, like the I, I would like like just like the duality where it's like Hitchcock, 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 real cock, Hitchcock, Hitchcock. That would be that would be like hard, through. That'd be more hard <laughs> hard cock or Hitchcock, not hard cock for yeah. Hitchcock. That's like you have to tell the difference: true. is this a cock or is it Hitchcock? Like just kind of a blurry image. The joke there is that his name has cock in it. I do. I just like the interplay of every once in a while, you like really deep conversations, and then just a dick pic. Because I just went gay all of a sudden. Pops Boo Ribbon! I'm Charles Foster King! Snap out of it! Ahoy, sexy! It's showtime, folks. What is up, Criteria Cats? You are listening to Criteria Cast, the podcast you listen to while you seduce war criminals in hiding. I'm your host, AJ. I am Zenatorio's host, Gabe. And we are still in the midst of our series entitled The Summer of Love on Criterocast, where we talk about some of cinema's fieriest love affairs. And today we are discussing Alfred Hitchcock's 1946 Nazi spy love triangle film, Notorious. Here to offer his thoughts on all things love and Hitchcock is returning guest, Ellis Fontana. Hello. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to Ooh. be on again. Quite an upgrade from what your last episode was, I do have to say. <laughs> yeah, um, I wasn't familiar so much with this Snyder film, um, but uh, I think he's improved a lot. We need to uh, see the ultimate <laughs> cut of Notorious. Yeah, the Notorious cut. It did feel, not to get into it already, but it did feel like a lot was cut out. But anyway. There, um, were, there were several times where I'm like, there's intervals of time here of characters meeting <laughs> and developing attachments that is just fully gone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me a little bit to realize that, like, oh, like a month has passed. <laughs> really yeah, well, that was actually the trailer house kind of took over and edited the movie. Uh, and, you know, Alfred Hitchcock was just fully kicked off of it in post-production. Yeah. Except for they, real. They brought on Ron Howard. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, like, I, I like the title, though, Hitchcock Uncut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just leaving him room for snaps and applause to that game. That's the best thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to talk about Notorious today. We're going to talk about the plot, the production, the trivia. But the first thing we're going to talk about is what you thought of the movie, Gabe. Uh, I had a great time. This is a, I mean, I know Hitchcock is like, has, I mean, I see this like recently I saw a review of uh, Dial of Destiny, Indiana Jones. And one of the biggest criticisms of that film is that it just didn't fucking hit its beats. But this movie... Hitchcock as a director just hits the beats. He like doesn't waste time moving from like narrative to plot to well scene to plot device. It it just it just flows. His his films flow like very fluidly, as opposed to a lot of films I've seen lately. Uh not on this podcast. Not right, Ellis, this podcast. Ellis, your rebuttal. I thought it was pretty good. Um I thought, you know. What the hell is I mean, that look, three star letterbox review I saw then? Okay, I was expecting the you to come in with your Alfred Midcock taste. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. This is what this is your Summer of Love series. Mm-hmm. Where was the love? In they say movie? it a lot. They say it a lot. They do. But I don't do I believe Cary Grant when he says I love you? Absolutely not. Not not for a fucking second. I did not believe him at all. Um my issues with the movie uh don't really have to do with alfred that much 
not that I know of at least, but the um, the love is is not there. And as we're talking a little bit before too, it does feel like it's very kind of like chopped up. And um, it feels kind of like Hitchcock was given a pretty bare script um, plot wise. Like there's a lot of kind of themes it feels like in there or layers within the script, but the actual like way that it goes about feels very sparse and not there. And yeah, and honestly, I just, um, I didn't believe the main love. I didn't believe the main love. I believe the Nazi love more than I believed Cary Grant, um, which. I'm gonna side with you on this, Ellis. I think the love story in this kind of nosedives the movie when it comes up, because it's got the cool undercover spy thing. And then all of a sudden she's like, of course you love me, you love me, you've always loved me. It's like, you have not spoken before this scene. She's also a better spy than he is. I, yeah. He's just walking up to her in public, and just not even yeah. like looking the other way as he does it. He's just like, oh, hey, where's, where's the Nazi? Oh, he's over there. He's over there. Can I point it at him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're having their, their information exchange meetings within eyesight of the target. And he's he's like, also just kind of, a, he's kind of a poor judge of character altogether because one of the first things he does is he lets her drive home just blitzed drunk. And he's just in the passenger seat. Right. Like, hey, do you know what you're doing there, doll? <laughs> right, right, right. And then when it's like, I, I, I love how much of a piece of shit this guy is. I don't know. I thought it was kind of entertaining because I, I was, yeah. he's like, yeah. It. I mean, I, I like to think that he had no feelings for her whatsoever throughout the entire film, and that didn't change. I know the narrative is supposed to communicate that he did end up loving her, but I do like the idea of just him being a fucking like cold blooded spy. Mm-mm, I know it's not no. like what's being. Yeah, I wish he it was. was the case. Uh, he he was dripping wet the whole movie he was way too horned up but he did not but like he just couldn't express himself um yeah i feel like this whole episode i'm just going to be complaining about Cary grant i thought he was pretty terrible in this um i did not buy it but i don't know yeah sorry go on I mean, I, I'm not going to say he was terrible. He did seem a little uninterested in low energy, which is, you know, Cary Grant can go full goofball mode. He can go full suave leading man type. And this, he just kind of seemed like a little bored. It didn't seem like he, his heart was fully in it. Yeah, it was very strange because I was also reading up a bit on um, behind the scenes. And it was an interesting production to read about because one thing they mentioned is how like Cary Grant was notoriously uh, kind of cold on set. Boom. Uh, cold on set and like aloof. And you he was know, a real shy guy. He was a shy guy, kind of pretentious, a bit of an asshole, I guess. Like they originally didn't want to work with him. The original producers didn't want to work with him, but Hitchcock insisted. Um, but with this, he and Ingrid Bergman actually got along really well. And this was the beginning of a, a lifelong friendship, they say, which does not come through on the screen at all. <laughs> I know for two incredibly attractive, talented and charismatic actors, it's so weird that it doesn't seem like there's any actual pull Just between spark them. there. No, it's like compare this to Casablanca or any of other Cary Grant's. Right you know, romantic comedies. We could have done a whole summer of just Cary Grant romances and he's so good right. at having that connection between them that it just feels like, I don't know, he, he kind of looked mad in some scenes. Like, 
He was just like, why am I here? Right. Well, he was mad, um, which kind of gets to my point where it's like, this guy's the worst spy ever. <laughs> here's what's happening. Right. He, he is told Ingrid Bergman is going to be, they're going to bring her in. And they're going to make her go undercover for something. He doesn't know what. What's the first thing he does? Let's her drunk drive and lets her just get away with it and then sleeps with her. And then like instantly falls in love with her um, while they're waiting. And then and then that guy comes up and it says, well, here's the mission. It's this pretty obvious thing. We're going to have her go seduce this guy. And he's like, what? Why would you do this? <laughs> I don't like, know. What, what, you, what did do. you think the mission was going to be? It's Ingrid right. yeah. in the 40s. Of course, she's going to be sent to seduce some war criminal. It's also yeah. kind of like classic honeypot. Like, why would you know? It's it's well, of course she's going to be the honeypot on this spy mission. Like, how, like right. do you think it was going to be him? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, right. I wanted like, to seduce you, the Nazi. Goddamn it! It's like, what do you think she's there for? Like, she's not a spy normally. She's yeah. not going to be code breaking anything. <laughs> she's <laughs> you know. We brought, we brought her on for her like code breaking expertise. I thought you wanted her right. to hack. <laughs> right. Yeah. She was um, actually a doc, like a like a like a mathematician on the Enigma project. That was yeah. her claim to fame. Right. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's just like, what did you think was going to go happen? And then, and then he gets like so upset, which is like, this is your fucking job, dude. <laughs> Suck it up. Um, well, one scene like you were actually like talking about a second ago, Alice, was like when he went to the racetrack and he was like talking to her. It's yeah. Like, the Nazi literally had a pair of binoculars. Yes. <laughs> I feel like he must have just been watching her because he's like, I saw you talking to him. I have binoculars. Yeah. Well, she yes. also says in that scene, they can't see us from here. And he just kind of goes, uh, oh, yeah, she's probably right. Shouldn't yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, sure. And yeah, I don't know. So it definitely does. It, it, it That whole section feels very contrived. I do enjoy the fact that he is spending the whole movie just getting kind of like upset and prissy about it. Like whenever she comes back to report on her findings, it's like mm. he's like, "Oh, find a lot of information. That's great." Um, that kind of stuff I enjoy. But yeah, overall, that that's what that's what brought it down to my letterbox three. Thank you for following. Please follow, subscribe. I was hyped, dude. Listeners. I was like, "Yay!" I'm not gonna seem like a big old dummy when I say uh, Alfred Hitchcock. More like Alfred Midcock. It's mid, man. I'm sorry. I just, it is. I, I I don't know. It's got some good ideas. It's got some cool elements, but it just feels like so much of it was taken out. Yeah. Well, the no. whole the whole the sequence where they fall in love, like uh, I it didn't feel long enough. There's no make, sequence. Make... It goes. It yeah, goes I just them, yeah. Him, like sitting on the couch. You see the back of his head to the next one. And they're drinking. It's like, oh, you're an old so and so. Oh, this is your yes. favorite song. Yeah. Remember, you told me all yeah. about it. And at the cost dissolve. At the most boring party I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I could I could definitely use like if they just like were accelerating time but they put dates, I could use that where I'd be like, oh well time is yeah, advanced. Yeah. So obviously I'm trying to infer that they've like grown to know each other. But like if right. they're just like, yeah, and then you know, we're in love. Yeah, I mean it is is strange because it does feel like as soon as they land, they like walk for about two hours or have lunch and then they're making out. <laughs> on the mountain when it's like it could have had a few like just one or two more scenes of them kind of going around and could establish their character a bit 
they could have even done a montage like <laughs> i did do like parses i do like it all right uh if we can add some structure uh not all of our listeners have seen this movie so let's get into la plate which is the section where i read the plot feel free to interject if you have thoughts <clears throat> Uh, in April 1946, Alicia Huberman, the daughter of a convicted Nazi spy, is recruited by government agent T.R. Devlin to infiltrate an organization of Nazis who have escaped to Brazil after World War II. When Alicia refuses to help the authorities, Devlin plays recordings of her fighting with her father and insisting that she loves America. I gotta say, those like recorded messages aren't as yeah. cool when it's on a record player. Like, It's gotta be a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like you had time to put this on vinyl. Yeah, yeah, he got oppressed. <laughs> kind of a psychotic move is like to put a secret, a bit of secret information on vinyl. Can you uh, record over something like that? Like that's the whole thing of tape recorder. You record it and then you record over it to delete the message. But now he's just got like an a album. Physical, physical. Yeah. <laughs> he's like struggling to bring it out of the the. <laughs> oh no! It actually to like to erase to erase it. You just have to like take a nail and kind of go <laughs> a little right. bit back and forth on it. It's true. Yeah, it that very, was. It's a very funny idea that it goes from them like waking up in bed and it's like, oh, I love you. And then all of a sudden he pulls out a big record of all of their secret conversations that he just had on him. <laughs> right. I like, the idea, I like the idea that he's a recording studio in the other room. He's like, hold on, dear. Comes out with a microphone. Oh, I say that again. Yeah. He's got one of those like collector edition large boxes. It's got like 10 records in it. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's a interesting plot. I'll say that the whole like Nazi element is very. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of fun and very. It's certainly very topical. Like this was 1946, right? Yeah. So they the are war just, just ended. The war just ended, um, and yeah, I don't know. I, my my thoughts aren't fully formed on this movie, if you can tell. I'm just kinda... Well, let's keep going through La Plate. Okay, thank you. While awaiting the details of her assignment in Rio de Janeiro, Alicia and Devlin fall in love. Though his feelings are complicated <laughs> by his knowledge of her promiscuous past. They literally, that's about as much info as you get in the movie. It's just that sentence. They're in love. Right. And she has a promiscuous past. That's all you get about that, too. And her dad's a fucking Nazi. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. That, too right hardly the least complicated part of her past <laughs> look you know like romances in old movies weren't exactly always the most fleshed out especially in a lot of Cary Grant movies but this one for some reason didn't feel real like the way it works with his other romantic partners is that you can tell there's like a chemistry between them like Catherine Hepburn you'll see it next week yeah. when you do bringing up baby where the love story is the last 30 seconds he just goes you know I think I love you and then and then it just like <laughs> right. black the love story in that <laughs> is even less consequential but it's not taken seriously as much here right I mean I wonder if part of it is also has to do with the whole code aspect because that is part of this uh, little you know, not to jump ahead to the trivia part. Yeah, the but, Hayes Code, the how they had to break up the kiss. Yeah. So Am it's, I? yeah, that's, it was, that's how they, that's why the kisses look so strange. Gabe, you know about the Hayes Code, right? I'm not aware, no. I'm going to run through it. I'm going to run through it. You don't know the Hayes Code? No. So I'm going to pull up the exact rules, but basically what the Hayes Code was is, Hayes you know code. how nowadays it's the, you get a rating, G, PG, P, 
PG-13 and R. Like, that's the rating system? Yeah. Well, before that, they just had a code of things that you could not have in a movie or else you couldn't release it. Like, there was no ratings. It was just, these are the things you cannot put in your movie. And it's stuff like, you can't show the police being defeated. You can't have a dead man on screen. Women can't show their legs. Uh, kisses can't last more than three seconds. That was a big one that Hitchcock had to get around. So there's like that long kiss that he keeps breaking up. But yeah, the Hayes Code was in effect till like the mid 60s when they adopted the MPA rating, which is a whole other issue of how skewed that rating system is. So that was just how it was in movies. That's why if you ever think movies around then are way sexless or like don't show anything, it's because of the Hayes Code. And a lot of pre-code films, if you look at pre-code movies, are more uh, risque than ones made in the Hayes Code. Like, yeah, that's how you get the screwball comedy. Yeah, there's like a there. There's one like uh, I feel like it was um, who the fuck was it? God damn it! It was a Frank Sinatra film where he just does heroin. I don't know how that got. Oh, the man with the golden arm. Man with the golden arm. Yeah. What year was that? I remember seeing that. That movie is weird. It has it has you know the plot of like a recovering drug addict, but then the sets look like guys and dolls. (laughs) It's a weird fucking movie. The thing with the code too is that like. It wasn't enforced that evenly or stringently. Like, to be honest, if I was, if I cared about the code and I was running the code, I would not let the kisses in this movie pass. It's like, I, you're getting, you're just getting away with it. You're trying to do a loophole. Um, the kiss is still going on for like two minutes, Alfred. Um, so I think like, it, it's kind of uneven the way it was applied, especially in like the sixties when it was technically still around, but like people had slowly started, like stopped caring and more and more was getting let through until what, I can't even remember what broke it. Was it Bonnie and Clyde? It might've been Bonnie and Clyde. Let's just say it was. Yeah. It's a good movie. Uh, now I was going to ask because like in Psycho obviously they had like a woman like in the shower like shoulders like kind of chest almost showing like that's that was passed but a leg is fucking insane we well that, that he had to really strictly edit to get edit, it passed yeah. and he actually pulled some trickery with them he showed them the cut and then they're like oh this will never pass so he's like fine I'll do some edits and then he just showed them the exact same cut and they're like alright now it passes <laughs> what, a, what a trick that was <laughs> Just, just counting on them being fucking idiots. Yeah, just lying yeah. to a producer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were all pretty dumb. That's I mean, what no, Mel Brooks always talks about. Stupid. Mel Brooks always talks about that's how you just pacify producers. Just tell them you'll do it and then don't. Yeah, that's how I do my job. Which this movie had a very famous insane producer, uh, David O. Selznick. I don't know if you guys know him, but he was one of the like top producers. Back in the day, he produced Gone with the Wind. He was also right. okay. a notorious speed user and would just like sleep not at all during the night, just write memo after memo. He would send hundreds of memos to the set with like the most random thoughts. At one point during the making of Gone with the Wind, he was trying to write the movie and it was just like a series of different colored pages all kind of scrambled together with varying, <laughs> just, you know, speed thoughts. He's on a lot of drugs right. and he's just like writing down everything. So he was the first producer on this movie. It started life as a David O. Selznick production. Uh, but by the time it hit American screens in August 1946, it was an RKS Studios production. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock became one of the producers and ended up uh, directing it as well. 
we're into the Wikipedia section now. Nice. Uh, its first glimmer occurred some two years before the movie came out. In August 1944, over lunch between Hitchcock and Selznick's story edi- editor, Margaret McDonnell. Her memo to Selznick said that Hitchcock was very anxious to do a story about confidence tricks on a grand scale with Ingrid Bergman as the woman. Her training would be as elaborate as the training of the Matahari. So that's like Hitchcock's quote. I don't know the Matahari is, which I'm sorry to say, no training in this movie. She does not get trained at all. She's a natural. Yeah, there's no montage scene where she's like, I can't do this. This is your world or something. (laughs) Right, right, right. It's getting too dangerous. You have to get me out of there. You can't do it. You have to. Um, Yeah, and it's all all, also all just to like, they get a few, like, the plot. It's, yeah, a lot must have been cut out of this movie. Oh, there was, because Hitchcock's okay. original pitch to Archeo Studios was that it was going to be a story of a woman sold for political purposes into sexual enslavement. Yeah. Uh, see, it's like kind of there, but The pitch really, was cause... convincing. That's, that's what it says in the production. <laughs> Dozier quickly entered into talks with Selznick, offering to buy the property and its personnel for production at Archeo. So was Selznick just a fucking... Like you said, his speed demon, so like... Was he just like, yeah, sure, sounds great. Like, no, no. Yeah, he might have been out of his gourd. Uh, not everyone uh, had their say on this movie, and Selznick actually uh, would become involved less and less throughout production, and it was arguable whether he was even interested in it at all. But after he sold the property to RKO to get some quick cash, Selznick lobbied hard to get Cary Grant replaced with Joseph Cotton, who I wish Noah was here. He would be pumping his fists. We're Cotton boys for life. I'm going no, it's see, baby. Yeah, he's the third man. He's Citizen Kane. Yeah. Right. No, right, wait. Right. He, is he the third man? He's in the third. No. Man. He's in the third man. Orson Welles is thought... the third man, right? Yeah. I, it's been a, a long time since I've seen that movie. His name. His name is. There's Harry at Martin. least. There's at least two men, mm-hmm. and then. It's about the third. I think he is the third man. Yeah. One of the. He's either the third man or the third man's friend. There's a woman. There's a woman. Um, uh, there's a woman as well. Um, anyway. Look, buddy, I was promised three men. That movie's got a SpongeBob-ass soundtrack. Literally. It does, yeah. Gabe, watch the third man. All the music is the same as like an episode of SpongeBob. It's like it's so good. I'm in. <laughs> say no more. Say no more. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking so it up right now. Uh, yeah, so Selznick wanted, Selznick wanted Joseph Cotton because he believed that Grant would be difficult to manage or make high salary demands. But most telling of all, Selznick owned Cotton's contract, which was what you did back then. You just signed a contract with a studio, and they're like, you're in this movie, whether you like it or not. Yeah, sounds nice. Which Hitchcock would use later to abuse Tippi Hedren with when she would uh, revoke his advances. But we're not covering the sense. birds. He also, I guess, was also infatuated with Ingrid Bergman during the making of this. Yeah, so that, uh, here, I'll skip ahead, because there's actually... Uh, Is there some about. juicy details about that? Not really juicy. It was actually one of the most simpatico working relationships uh, Hitchcock had with one of his leading ladies, considering the rest of them, he would just, like, take off his underwear around or... Right, right, right. Try to kiss. <laughs> bad guy, <laughs> bad guy Hitchcock. You know, maybe yeah, yeah, some yeah. good movies, but just all-around bad guy. Yeah, bad vibes. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is the paragraph I'm starting with. Okay, there were two passionate turmoils going on on set, and both served to inform the final product. One was Hitchcock's growing infatuation with Bergman, and the other was her torturous affair with Robert Capa, the celebrity battlefield photographer. Don't know about him, we're not talking about him. As a result of this simpatico connection, and to accomplish the deepest logic of Notorious, Hitchcock did something unprecedented in his career. He made Ingrid his closest collaborator on the picture. He listened to a woman. Yeah, basically, that's like his big career milestone is Hitchcock <laughs> listened to a woman. Because normally he just fully ignores him when he's saying, no, stop, I don't want to. Right. Put your this, he, actually, he actually took her creative advice. Yeah. Uh, Ingrid said that her look was all wrong after several takes of close-ups during the dinner scene. Uh, she said, you are registering surprise too soon, Hitch. I think we should do it this way and stuff like that. So she was pretty big collaborator in terms of Hitchcock, but that wouldn't be repeated often. Look, she knew what she wanted and she could take it, you know? Yeah, she was in fucking Casablanca, man. Yeah. yeah. She Which was, I guess, uh, you know, he's like also Ingrid. Alfred Hitchcock, so. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's it one of those just... arguments to be like, I was in Casablanca. I made Psycho. We're just going to go in circles. Right, right, right. And then shortly after this, she would go and marry Roberto Rossellini. After this as well. Did she now? Yeah, she did. Isabella Rossellini, that's their daughter. Oh. Did you not know that? I didn't know that. I don't no, know a lot no, about little tidbit. No. I have learned a bit more recently. There was like something else I watched that day. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But yeah, she uh, had an affair with him against both their their uh, spouses. Oof. And then, yeah. And then they, she like wrote him a letter that was saying like, I would really like to work with you. And then they did. And then they married. And then they had little, they had little Isabella. That's sick. I love those stories of like filmmakers meeting their partners on set. I just watched, I just rewatched Temple of Doom last night yeah. and watching. I'm just like, I can tell that Steven Spielberg loves this woman based on all the ways he thought of to torture her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every time there's just big bugs dumped on her, I'm like, he is so in love right. with this woman. Right. Give her more bugs. Yeah. And her toss her off the bugs. elephant. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like the darkest, crazy. That truly, I gotta do a diatribe on Temple of Doom because that is truly one of the craziest studio blockbusters ever made. Yeah, it's a good movie. Like, imagine, imagine if in the sequel to like a Marvel movie, there was a scene where some dude gets sacrificed and like his heart's ripped out. There's child yeah. slaves. I also that movie. I remember it being like super dark. It's only dark for about twenty five minutes, and in that twenty five minutes, it's the darkest fucking movie ever made. Like zero yeah. joy, not a smile is cracked. It's not right. fun to watch because the rest of the movie is like them doing Looney Tunes shticks. Literally, people are hit on the head with mallets, like Jump, like jumping out of a fucking yes. plane with a boat for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it's like, so yeah. goofy, and then it just yeah, takes yeah. a hard pivot into yeah. sacrifice <laughs> and child slaves, and you like see people skinned against a wall. Indy gets whipped, and tortured. Do you think the dynamic with um, Indy not getting the girl in that one was kind of part of Spielberg, too, where he's like, nah, you're not getting this one. 
I, I don't know. I think it's also just so funny how little they seem to like each other, like the characters. I'm sure I'm sure Harrison Ford and Kate Capshaw got along, but throughout the whole thing, they never have a moment where they're like, oh, you aren't so bad. Like, they just fully hate each other hate each until other. the very end. <laughs> it's clear that they just want to fuck, but even at the end, she's like, I'm done with you. I, I'm not won over by this. You are a psycho. <laughs> I have almost been killed so many times. He, he, he pretty much kidnaps her in the beginning, too. Like, he, they're trying to kill him, and he yeah. drags yeah, her. There's not, there's no yeah, real so. reason why she needs to come along on this. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, she has so, a yeah. life in Shanghai as a you know somewhat successful singer, and he's like, get on the plane. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just goes through the whole movie just being like, shut up. And then at the end, he's like, hey, after all the fun we've had. <laughs> that yeah. movie is crazy. Uh one of the weirdest, and they would never make it again. And it has not aged super well, but I still love it. Um, chill the monkey brain. <laughs> yeah, they're like serving her fucking eyeballs. Yeah. Like, Willie, you're embarrassing me in front of the colonial administration. I know, and then and then it ends with the nice British people coming to save them from the yes, fuzzies. yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. It's still that, a wacky movie, fun time at the movies. And it led to the PG-13 rating to bring it and back it did to, lead the to the PG-13 rating. It is it crazy not. that despite how dark it gets into, yeah, the human sacrifice and child slavery, it immediately then pivots back into a wacky fun adventure with the child slaves. Yeah, no, then they're all just like, <laughs> you know, beating up the dude. They're like, ah! yeah. It, and he's like, his foot's literally smoking because they went on a goofy minecart chase. That movie's tone is insane. I really yeah. had never clocked just how little time it spends being dark, but how just fully goes right into that. Just like, yeah, it. you're going to see the hero get whipped and a small child as well. I love Wait, it. Child, wait, I, I forgot. Does a child get whipped? Yeah, you see, <laughs> you see like a couple different kids get whipped. You see, short, ra- you see short round and you see some random dude, some random little kid get whipped. It's... <laughs> Like, what were they thinking? You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's this fun action adventure for the whole family. You know, there's some scary parts, but it's mostly just like, oh, the good guy's conquering the bad. And this one, it's like, okay, what if they kidnapped your children? Have you, yeah. have you guys seen the behind the scenes where, like, Spielberg, Spielberg talks about, like, um, Lucas wanting to do, like, a haunted house? Like That was for like, Last Crusade they wanted to do a haunted that was- house. Oh, really? oh, okay. No, there are some insane George Lucas behind the scenes for Temple of Doom too. Like originally, he wanted short round instead of like a little plucky boy. He wanted her. He wanted that character to be a virgin princess that he ran around with. Uh-huh. Why the virgin though? Why is that part? Because <laughs> he's a freak. He's a weird dude. Yeah, it's fucking weird. God, the only reason just... we don't know he's freakier is because he's only made like four movies. If he had Tarantino's career, you would understand that George Lucas is yeah. a capital F freak. It's like also the incest angle and like Star Wars where you're like, why why are you making them kiss? You know they're siblings. Why are you doing that? Uh, He also, in the first Raiders, in Raiders, he wanted Marion to have been like 14 when she hooked up with Andy. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of phallic aliens throughout Star Wars in general. There are. Certified freak. Yeah. Like Let's not even uh, get into the Jar Jar Binks. But yeah. My (laughs) friend... Remember in Return of the Jedi when Leia, speaking of, again of sexual freakishness, Leia's um, slave out. Yeah. Return of the Jedi. And then has, yeah, this giant penis monster like literally licking her face. You see like the, you see the tail yeah. like vibrate. 
yeah, yeah. Suit, as he's getting as he's getting choked out, he's like coming. You see Jabba get hard. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh god. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um yeah, he's uh he's a strange man. So notorious, man. notorious. Yeah. Notorious. Notorious. What happened? So among the many changes to the original story was the introduction of a MacGuffin, a cachet of uranium being held in Sebastian's wine cellar by the Nazis. That was all those uh, wine bottles full of uranium. At the time, it was not common knowledge that uranium was being used in the development of the atomic bomb, and Selznick had trouble understanding its use as a plot device. Indeed, Hitchcock later claimed he was followed by the FBI for several months after he and Hecht, who worked on it, I don't remember what the fuck he did, discussed uranium with Robert Milliken at Caltech. Hecht was the screenwriter. (laughs) If you say so. Okay. Um, yeah, so this was Hitchcock just on main telling people how to make a bomb. It's what we've yeah. been doing this whole well, podcast. Yeah. Well, how did Selznick go like, the fuck, what do you mean uranium? How's that? What, what do you mean? I don't know. I don't get it. What's the, what's the problem? It's probably like, uranium? What? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, can you get high off of it? I he, he was probably doing <laughs> uranium production. Right. Oh, uranium. You got some uranium? You know, guy? Right. Why are you talking about uranium? <laughs> Why do you keep talking about uranium? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know how truthful that story of Hitchcock about the FBI tailing him for months is. Sure, I'll let yeah, him have it. Yeah, sure, why yeah. not? Cool. It, track, it sounds like FBI activity, though. Yeah, yeah. They, they gotta track everyone. It's a big department. I'm sure. I'm sure. They probably didn't send their best guys after Alfred Hitchcock. It was probably just like, <laughs> hey, can we get can we get someone watching him just in a couple weeks, see what he's up to? Got a few of those. Yeah. Oh, he's just torturing yeah. the actresses? <laughs> Same old. The FBI like turns us together and it's like, oh, he's sexually exposing himself to some dames. Ah, pass the test. Ah, we should have him hold office. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The old times. You really can't talk about an Alfred Hitchcock movie without mentioning that he was a horrible piece of shit to most of the people he worked with. I mean, I'm I'm kind of unclear on what actually he did. I, I'm aware that he just kind of terrorized Tiffy Hendren because he was sexually obsessed with her. That's the big one where it's like, okay, that is just genuinely bad. You know, every director in the old days was uh, emotionally abusive in some form or another. None of them would be able to make a movie nowadays. But Hitchcock went beyond where he had Tippi Hedren held in a contract and wouldn't let her be in other movies. Because she, you know, rebuked his advances. Right. Also, yeah, who I does know. he think he is? He's, he, he looks the way he looks. Like, I mean, he's shit, Alfred dude. Hitchcock. That's who he thinks he is. I know, but it's like, also, it's like, you look like you, bro. Like, why do you think a well, starlet? Well, the thing about like... success is when it, like, clouds your vision. So That's true. you could be the That's ugliest true. man in the world, but if you have enough success, you can convince yourself that you're hot. Yeah. Probably, yeah. You can look like a mashed potato man. You can look like a big <laughs> roly-poly bug. You can look yeah. like a, a fancy butler in a cartoon about a cat, and you can still be like, hmm, yes, this woman, obviously. <laughs> yes, Grace Kelly clearly wants me, Alfred Hitchcock. A man who hasn't seen his penis since he was 24. He does look like a fucking potato. Like, his head, yeah. shit, he's a potato. He's so round. He is one of the roundest people to ever work in Hollywood. He's jolly. Yeah. He's a jolly man. I bet if you pushed him down, he would roll for quite a while. <laughs> you, you can maybe get a bounce or two out of him. Whoa, 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 whoa. I bet you could punch him and your fist would sink in pretty far. Yeah. He's large. 
Yo, fuck Hitchcock. <laughs> I'm just I'm so getting fucking tired of this guy. <laughs> I, I'm pretty mixed on Hitchcock. He's made some movies that I think are really great and some movies that I just don't get the love for at all. I'm not going to name them because Noah loves oh, one of them. What's, what's the one with the birds? The, the birds. birds. The birds, really? It's, the birds. it's called The Birds. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, I was like, there's no way it could just be the birds. It was, what else yeah, are you gonna call it? Yeah, what's the know. one? What's the one where she gets all the a case of vertigo? What's that one? What's the one? There's like a psycho in it. Yeah. Yeah, come on, but like the birds, it, a psycho kind of has like is kind of like cool. The birds does not sound cool. Or what's the one where there's like Psychos a piece of rope? Um, yeah. You can just go through all these. What's the one where they take thirty nine steps? What's the one where they the dial plan. M for murder? Yeah. That one actually doesn't work. <laughs> That's the only one of his titles that really yeah. has some flair is dial M for yeah. murder. The rest of them are like rope, rear window. Right. It's an object that's in it. Frenzy. Notorious is kind of fancy. That doesn't really describe yeah. much. Um, The one before this was saboteur, which is, yeah. yeah. One word, snap, punchy, you know. I like the idea of him pitching all of these by just saying, what if there was a psycho? Right. <laughs> like imagine <laughs> a window. Is it in front? It, no, no, no. It would be <laughs> it would be break. awesome. It'd be awesome to be in that like like era of filmmaking where you could just be like, ah, the guy. The guy. Right. <laughs> the no dame, the, the dame got shaken. That. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like no other like right. that. the man who knew too much. <laughs> Gabe, are you a Hitchcock fan? Uh, you know, I, I like Psycho and you know it's about my like i'm again like you guys are far more knowledgeable than most things film so like i have a pretty tertiary like understanding of like he's really big and important but not because this was your choice this week so i wondered if you had like some secret hitchcock love no i, I saw there was a hitchcock notes on criteria and i was like okay yeah uh, yeah that's about as deep yes. as it goes yeah what about you ellis uh you know i yeah i mean it's like he's he, he makes good movies. Psycho's great. The Birds is great. I don't care for Vertigo. Same! Uh, there we go. I was wondering if that's the one. <laughs> I watched Vertigo a while ago. Maybe I should rewatch it, but I was like, I don't really get it. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the, the acclaim for it. The like, yeah, it look, the green color looks cool. I don't know. Like The yeah, story just doesn't make sense. None of the characters seem like believable people i sound like such a nerd it's, saying this but so wait, no but vertigo is just about being the, the condition of vertigo is just being dizzy right it, like he's it, like unbalanced it's a weird movie that's about it's not a weird movie um it's uh it's like a regular movie tripped on fucking balls uh because it's all green and yeah there's like a bunch know. of trippy sequences and i got no fault there like i love the shot of jimmy stewart's head floating that's you can't fault that but i think that's, the rest of it's just like this small seaside town and I don't know. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. It's like a mistaken identity kind of plot. It's very dreamlike, and Jimmy Stewart slowly gets more and more obsessed with it's Grace Kelly, right? And then, I don't, yeah, I don't remember. It's, I think so. So what the the plot is that uh, like he's dating this girl or something. He's seeing her. He gets obsessed with her, and she dies or something. And then she replaces yeah. herself. And then he just he starts getting with her. He starts making her dress like the other girl, who's also still her. Yeah, he's like he's like projecting all of his sexual fantasies and obsessions like on this woman, and he's like getting more and more drawn in. Is what I is like over two years ago. And it is all it. so green. Everything and is I was, very green. 
probably stone, but I can't remember it now. Um, I've seen so. Vertigo like five times, and each time I'm just trying to convince myself really? this will be the time I get it. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll be able to talk about it in high society, and each time I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. And you probably just don't like it then. I think that, um, I think that's the thing I'm coming to is that I just don't like it. Yeah, I think I think he is just kind of hit or miss because it's one of those things where it's. I mean, for one, it's like he has a super big filmography. He's making a movie like every year for a while. Uh, certainly when this movie was made. Um, and so I think for people who are really into him, there's probably that sense where it's like you can see his craft developing over. Like I remember when I was reading up about this, they said this was like a watershed movie for him where he really got to like cement some of his style and, and you see that and there are a lot of great scenes where you see that like you know the shot where the it zooms in on her holding the key um at the party like that's very hitchcock yeah there's um, a lot of great shots i think that's a lot of the reason that his movies have survived is that he has like yeah. five or six of the most iconic shots in any film and that's what people remember from north by northwest is like the the plane going down they don't remember him in right the restaurant no yeah they don't remember that yeah he's very he has good he occasionally gets like a really good plot like psycho um or like yeah north by northwest and then he's just he has just really good ways of staging certain types of scenes and i think uh the stuff i like about it is really just kind of the craft of it of like Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a way to phrase this. Well, he was so, playful with stupid. the form. Like he experimented yeah. with ways you can tell a story. Like his movie Rope, it was one of the first ones that was ever shot to look like one continuous take. Right. <laughs> There's like that. And then also just also Psycho is also mm -hmm. kind of unique in that and that you kill the main character like a third of the way through. But um I don't know. Whenever I watch his movies, whenever I watch the movies of his that I like, it's usually because there's some kind of aspect of the movie that feel it feels very like tied to physically, kind of like with rope, um, like it like they're always hiding stuff underneath the room while everyone's circling around it. And the classic like bomb kind of, under the table. Yeah, it's like the bomb under the table. Um, Psycho, I think it just has like this amazing set that he uses really, really well, where it's like everything is kind of like overbearing on you the whole time, like when you're down in the motel and it's just this like wonderful house staring down and with like the, you know, the mother, the mother staring out of the window. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm kind of rambling so there's definitely a lot of stuff that i do like about hitchcock um and I've, and so it's like as someone who loves movies and has just watched all these I, you know i watched them and it's like well i understand why people like them i understand why he's great but yeah he can be kind of hit or miss you know especially when you get kind of pre uh 1950s it's you know he's probably he's more bound by the studio um more used to doing traditional you know, movies at the time, which to be honest, a lot of them feel very stilted and awkward and all kind of like formulaic because uh, they were just pumping movies out uh, back in the day. So, and one of those, one of these is 
this is one of the ones that uh, didn't really uh, connect with me, I guess, that much. I certainly liked many parts of it. I really like the spy stuff. I love Claude Rains' character. I feel like we haven't gotten into the movie that much. Well, we're, talk- we're talking about whatever yeah. we want. This is yeah, mostly yeah, just... Yeah. I honestly think we should spend less time talking about the subjects of our episodes and just kind of shoot the shit, but... That's, that's hey, hey, I, hey, I'm on board. All I do is shoot the shit. That's like when we're really shit. cooking is when we're just shit posting. Yeah. But, yeah, we can talk about Claude Rains because I love Claude Rains just as an actor. He's always... <laughs> Given his little like twee, like hmm, I'm a little mysterious boy. Yeah. He, wait, yes. was, he the one, was, was he the one with the mustache? Is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah, he's in Casablanca. He's the inspector. Was he inspector something? He was the like French Vichy guy in uh, Casablanca, and it looked so weird and notorious when he doesn't have a mustache. It's been a long time since I've seen Casablanca. I forgot that he was in that. I haven't seen it. If I'm being honest, yeah. Oh my god, god. I know, dude! Casablanca. What is it on? Is it is it on Criterion? Because like I, I'm gonna watch it on my own at some point. It's not but... on Criterion, but you should just watch it because uh, it's one I, of uh, the best movies ever made. It's probably on like HBO. I, I think it is it. actually. Yeah. Yeah, I can they probably it. have it. Love it. One of my favorites. That's uh, one of the hardest yeah. movies to hate. Casablanca. Yeah. Oh my god. Truly, if someone hates Casablanca, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, calm down. No, you don't. Yeah. Chill. Yeah, 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 that's like the I, uh, I hate the Beatles or the Beatles are afraid of type of. It's like what they ever do to you. Like, no. Like what? You think you're better? You think you're fucking so, better? I I think I think the thing with most people when they say they hate a film that is widely beloved or they hate anything that's widely beloved, it's like I think people just want to have that. I like doing that. I like stirring the pot. I like being yeah. devil's advocate. But like that's even even I know there are things like with the Beatles that are kind of off limits where I'm like, what what what, what am I gonna say? Yeah, what do you gain from not liking this? Like, no, cool. But like, what, 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 yeah. what criticism can you really draw the Beatles? It's like, oh, well, they got famous too young and they made some stupid songs. It's like that's that's like every band. Most the vast Which, majority of all art is not that good of art, right? Which is also stupid yeah. because like people after them were making songs like their early songs. Yeah. And, oh yeah. <laughs> they were making, people still like, make songs just baby, like yeah. Light what up did, my <laughs> world like nobody else. <laughs> Yeah. Hold my hand. I mean, One Direction literally is a reincarnation of the Beatles kind of like formula where it's like a bunch of British young men that are attractive, you know, the Beatles kind of. But like, yeah. you know, that's that's sing. That's that's just it. I love how people were like, oh, the Beatles, these hippies with their long hair. And you look at it now and it's just like it's a normal like a cut. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a normal right haircut. Around, it's yeah. actually not that long. It's just everyone right. else was shaved to the bone. Right. Like so they're doing actually repressed. They're doing all these drugs and they're like smoking a joint that's like <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they're spreading. They're smoking, is 19, they're smoking 1950s British weed. That's got to be dog shit, right? Exactly. Like I'm convinced oh. that I'm convinced that a bunch of people from the 60s were just fucking lightweights because it's like they also took acid. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I feel like you guys are getting. Dude, you know who took a lot of acid? Really, who's that? Harry Grant. Really? Did he really? What? Yeah, Cary Grant. He was uh super depressed and like bipolar his whole life, and that was back <laughs> when acid was like being clinically tested. So he dropped acid all the time. Wild. As like a cure for depression. Interesting. Well, he looked like he was maybe on acid. Yeah, during he looked, this movie, he looked a little he looked like out. He didn't really know how to talk to a real person. This will be a fun uh, juxtaposition when you watch Bring Up Baby this coming week, Gabe. Because this is, if this is Cary Grant at like 
a three, bring up babies him at like twelve. Okay. So yeah, that whole movie or like I think Bring It Baby is the only movie that's ever had every single character shout all of their lines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. It's fun. It. It, it can be a lot at times. It does get a little overstimulating, but I think it's really fun. It's got a fun energy. It's not serious in the slightest. Good. Okay, yeah, that's my alley. Because I, I was getting one 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 complaint I have about just any media is when it feels very serious overall. I don't do good with like you know, oh, it's straight up one serious. of the least serious yeah. movies ever made. Like, Cary Grant plays this, like, bumbling professor who's always like, Oh, honestly, Susan, I just want to get married today. And Catherine <laughs> Hepburn's just, like, the devil who's come to mess with his life. She keeps stealing cars. That's, like, a running bit is that she just steals cars and goes like, Oh, no, Mr. Policeman, it's all right. I can take this car. <laughs> He's like, no, you don't understand. That's my car. And I need to get married. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that because, I mean, I, I enjoyed myself on this one, but I don't know. I have a, I've, I, I already have such a poor attention span, so sometimes I get tuned out on things like this. I don't know why. I think, I think it was, it was yeah. probably because of the, the way they were delivering their lines, honestly. Yeah, you know, I mean, I didn't, yeah, I didn't hate this movie. No, I mean, uh, thing is, yeah, it's a good movie, but <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's There's a, a lot to movie. like. Watch it, it with is... your dad; it'll make him happy. It is a very dad movie. I do enjoy the Nazis. You what? I, I enjoyed the Nazis. I enjoyed watching them, and I enjoyed watching their plan fail. Even though it didn't fail. The, yeah. They didn't actually get caught. They didn't break the case. <laughs> they didn't like... break the case. Yeah, the movie yeah, just kind of ends. It has a very similar yeah. ending to The Birds, where they just kind of walk out. and Right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Bye. Right. Birds are still right. there. Yeah. yeah, I can I can respect the movie like three billboards where there is no resolution, but like this didn't. It, it felt like they like had all the elements to be like, okay, we busted them, we got them. That was well, a great felt, tying up way to like tie it all together. But yeah, it felt like it like wanted to end it on the romantic note because he comes in, and saves her, and he's like, "Yes, I do love you." Yeah. And she's like, oh, I always knew it. Even though when he's saying that, it's it feels like he's just saying it to get her out of bed and moving. Um, and not real. But um, so it feels like that was like the finale that they wanted to go for. And then and then just have the last bit kind of just be the the resolution. Um but without that romance, it just yeah, it feels like they just walk away. They just walk out of the house and say, all right, the divorce papers will be in the mail. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like you could probably get an annulment on the basis that your husband was yeah. a Nazi. I think, right. you get, I think you can get an annulment on the basis that also, too, it's like I was literally doing it for the government. It was a bit, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> right. I got carried away. When you get so committed to the bit, you date a war criminal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do that like that. A, uh, yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Well, well, you know, I I really wish I knew this off the top of my head, but who was a uh, who was who was Hitler's uh, wife or girlfriend? Eva Braun. Eva Braun. It's like I I I, I would love. To, I know she killed herself, but I love to imagine Eva Braun at the Nuremberg trials. Like you guys, hear me out. Just a <laughs> big, just it was a bit. She she you know she could have just actually like groomed. That she was groomed because she was like 17 or something. Uh, yeah, when they married. Yeah. Wait, seriously? She was yeah. 
That's fucking problematic. Very wow. Believe it or not. <laughs> That's the most Hitler. problematic thing Hitler did. Wow, I'm glad you told me, dude. I'll go and follow him. <laughs> this Hitler guy has some interesting sexual proclivities. I mean, so I guess it was like the older times, but that's still messed up. I can't believe he did that. Yeah, that really I mean, it changes okay. my opinion. If you, if you want to get something <laughs> fucked up now, I think the age of consent in Germany is like 15. Why in God's name do you know that, Gabe? My cousins are German. Yeah. The, and they're talking Oh my about God, no, sex. it's 14. It is 14. Yeah, yeah. Well, because wow. my, my, my cousin, my, Never like, mind. Little cousin, Sorry, my cousin Henry, who's like fucking 15, is like got it at all. And, you know, he's he's had sex. And you're like, oh, what the Bitch, fuck? It. I'm happy for yeah. him. Good on him. But, as long you know. as it's like, you know, consensual and they're all having fun. Right. Whatever. It's not with a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it with one of them. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think like three or four of Hitler's total girlfriends in his whole life killed themselves. Makes sense. You know, that's another part. That's another interesting part of his life that it's like kind of hard to live. He's ever touched killed themselves afterwards. <laughs> If they had just had proper therapy access, which is why this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp.com. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't be like Hitler's girlfriends. Go to BetterHelp.com. <laughs> we have solutions <laughs> to your problems. Right. They, have, they have the final solution to your their mental health problems. Ah! Uh, <laughs> BetterHelp has dropped the sponsorship. That's where the bit ends. Let's do some Maria and Trivia Net. Um, after filming had ended, Cary Grant kept the famous Unica key. A few years later, he gave the key to his great friend and co-star Ingrid Bergman, saying that the key had given him luck and hoped it would do the same for her. Many years later, at a tribute to director Sir Alfred Hitchcock, Bergman went off script and presented the key to him to his surprise and delight. Cute. That's cute. That's nice. I like it when an actor's going to take stuff from the set. Yeah. I feel like that, that should be the case for all like movies. Like You get like one little thing. Did you did you guys see when uh, Ben Affleck tried to take like some Batman memorabilia and then Warner Brothers made him pay for it? <laughs> they sent him uh, a bill. Cringe. They did need see, the that's... money though. They did need the money, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, listen, you already cost us a lot of money. Uh, I, that's kind of fair at that point. I get it. Yeah, you were supposed to make us money, not steal our shit. Dude, so. speaking of uh, losing money, the Flash. Holy shit! All right, hey, is, should uh, we do Flash yeah. Corner? Right. Yeah, Let's see yeah, how much yeah, Flash yeah, yeah, has yeah. lost. Yeah. It's been a week just... we've been checking on the Flash box office. Really? Yeah. Nice. They're saying it limped past its production budget. I don't I don't even know if I fully believe Zero that. chance that's true. That movie's been trying to come yeah. out for the last four years. It's had like 500 Yeah. Million. Not to mention the legal costs for Ezra Miller. It's yeah, going to take all, another all, year to get all the, all the bribes in that. A. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, it is officially one of the biggest bombs of all time. Ooh. Well... They can't say they didn't try. So the listed budget on Wikipedia is $220 million. So assuming that's even true, which it's definitely not. Like, I'm assuming yeah. it's probably double that budget. I'm going to say it, it's probably like, this is me just guessing based on everything. But I'm assuming it was like $300 million for advertising and then like maybe 400 for all the reshoots and shit. So that's like $700 million just to break even. It has currently made $245 million. Jesus, I don't. But I, the thing is, I don't even believe that because weren't they doing like buy one get one free? Yeah, they're doing yeah. buy one get one free ticket yeah. sales for the Flash. Um, wow. Yeah, apparently it. They would have had less money lost if they had just canceled the movie. Who could have told them? 
Who could have guessed? <laughs> Literally anyone. <laughs> Who could have guessed, you know? Who's like, really qualified? These fucking yeah. business insiders like, why did a movie that nobody liked or looked good, why did that <laughs> bomb? Starring a, a sexual a, predator. A serial criminal. <laughs> that looks like <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's nonsensical and it's based on IP that no one's caring about for I'm so glad that Flash isn't playing in theaters around me because I was really tempted to go watch it just to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, I feel like we should we should do like a like wrapping up the summer. We should like split like speed run all these like summer flops. Speed run? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like the year of the, the flop. We do a stupid yeah. babies uh special. I think so. Yeah. I think we should do year of the flop like wrap up, you know. Speed force. We have a Barbie episode coming up. We could talk about all the summer blockbusters that flopped. I'm also working at a movie oh, theater now, so maybe I'll get to see some of these pieces of shit for free. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I am by yeah. that. I've been working at it now. I mean, working out for like the next three weeks before I quit and go back to yeah. substitute teaching. Right, right. Yeah, I know, yeah. They don't know that, though, so don't tell them. Yeah, why would you? Yeah. <laughs> Heads up, movie theater, AJ. <laughs> I'm Well, it's a theater <laughs> reopening, so I'm really worried that by the time it reopens, I'll, I won't be able to see any movies. Like, I'll be done with it. I'm hoping that it opens within, like, the next couple weeks so I can do the Barbenheimer for free. That would be yeah, nice. That would be cool. Yeah, uh, That is the one, I think that has to be the That'd one part nice. of working at, like, a movie theater. Is like, every once in a while, you can just walk into a theater and just stand there for a couple hours. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. The job sucks and I will not miss it, but I really hope I get to see some free movies. It was so great back in high school when everyone I knew, or everyone at the theater I knew, yeah, I could just waltz in there any old day for any old thing and no one stopped me. Go see the fucking worst movie ever made. (laughs) I know. Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. (laughs) What other trivia is there? Not a whole lot that's super interesting. I'm going to rapid fire through some of these. This was screened in competition at the first annual Cannes Film Festival in 1946. The projectionist uh, reportedly ran the reels in the wrong order. Oh, oh, we've had one just before. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. We had, we had an awful film yeah. scene projectionist. Literally, the, the screen was on the other wall. Really? Yeah, and wow. then he kept like... He, he would shine his phone flashlight into the audience because he was trying to fix it. And it just yeah. never, never got to the point. It just looked like shit the entire time. But none of us wanted to go complain because we were all really high. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was getting enough. close, though. Like I was, I think we were all getting close. We were, even, like, we were like, really high. You know what? Shame on everybody else for not complaining because we were kind of stoned. Unless yeah. everyone else was also high. Someone should have been like, hey, what the fuck? Like, come on. Maybe. That could have been so this... cool. All right, so that's all I got for trivia. Let's get into some bad letter boys, which is the segment where we look at bad reviews. Uh, this first review comes from Amaya. Amaya says, maybe if I was born 100 years ago, I would enjoy these types of movies, but I'm not going to lie. It was boring, and I fell asleep a few times. I don't care if it was a classic. It wasn't that enjoyable to me. Also, every single time they kiss, it was just gross. Okay, thank you, Amaya. That wasn't his fault. Yeah, that you can't really put that fault. on. Can't put it on. He was working around it. Yeah, you know, what do you want? It's it's. I don't know. I wouldn't say it was gross watching two very attractive stars kiss. You know, maybe it's yeah. You got some stuff you need to work out. That that's some ace. That's some ace behavior right there. You know, it's like two hot people kissing. What? Right. I think love is a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
I mean, good. Oh, well, it was it wasn't on display here, like you guys were saying, but that is true. <laughs> Dude, I fuck with love. Love's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, love's you know, love. I can take it. It's not Yo, so bad. Love's legit, dude. You don't fuck with love. Get, get out of this. Something about the soft contours of my heart is just making me feel giddy in my soul right now. <laughs> Bro, you giddy AF. Uh, this next review comes from MJ, I guess. They said, too Texas, too dated. Okay. It is a little you- sexist. I'll give them, I'll give, who is the person? Too sexist, too dated. Okay. I'll give it that. I mean, give them that. The sequel to The Sexist and the Dated. <laughs> but, I mean, sex- like, Again, this is this is. I always see this critique when people like look at like old media. It's like look at the fucking year it was made, and then make then form your expectations. It is, know? yeah. It is kind of funny because it does seem like the it's kind of already just plugged in for the audience to know how to react to Ingrid Bergman's character. Um, like they don't really take much to establish her at all. They just they show that she's kind of, you know, she's just kind of a party girl, and then she drinks she basically oh, she drinks a lot and then she's loot she's quick with carrie grant and then that's it and then it's like I, okay now we have all the backstory yeah I, I like how the idea of a party in the 1950s was like sitting down and drinking yeah exactly. <laughs> right just sit Which, down yeah and then there's just some guy that you don't know that no one knows and he's just staring at you and not answering You're like who are you? that was weird right yeah he just fully didn't talk yeah very mysterious. Um, it was a cool shot. I was like, God damn, the back of Cary cool. Grant's head is more captivating than any of our modern movie stars. Yeah, it's a, it a cool way to introduce, but it, it's just like, what? How'd you get here? <laughs> Who let you in, dude? <laughs> Who do you know here? <laughs> Who the fuck uh, do you know here, dude? Name, name, name right. three people here right now. Go. Right. Do you know what she's going through right now? What kind of party was that? The my dad's a Nazi party. Yeah, it was the uh... <laughs> kind of a weird reason to get the friends together is when your dad is sentenced to twenty years for treason. Yeah, well, you know, she doesn't care. She accepts what people say about her, um, and she's just gonna live her life. But of course, turns out there's a little bit more wanting in her soul. I guess. Will she find it? Yes, she will. It's in the next scene. Yes, it was a cross dissolve, <laughs> and then she found it. And then she found it. Um, yeah. Uh, this next review comes from Liz. Liz says, what the fuck? The romance was cobbled together in five shitty seconds, and the espionage was sloppy and made no sense, and the editing was weird. How does this have such great ratings? One star for the concept. Okay. Yeah, this is the first Bad Letter Boys we've done where I've like kind of agreed with all of the reviews. I, I want to, I want to be as harsh as they are, but yeah, yeah, I don't have much to say. I can't fault them too much, I guess. Like, uh... you can stick up for it, Gabe. Yeah, I guess I, I, I'll be the one person that does stick up for it. Like, yeah, I tell us we're mean... stupid and wrong. Give us your right, pros. You, you stupid and wrong. Okay, get our ass. No, uh, no, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, here, here's the thing. I did think this film was at the very least tight. Like, I can respect all the cinematography. I mean, the sound design was fine. The plot was fine. It, it really did just come down to the fact that the actors weren't conveying too much chemistry, which I don't know if you could put that on Hitchcock's feet, you know. 
I know he's a director of the film, but it, yeah, you can probably put it on his feet. You think so? I think so. Why not? Oh, you can. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, I'm gonna mean, do it. I, 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 I really will just relegate it to Cary Grant. I think all the other actors did a good job. I think the Claude Rains and Ingrid Bergman um, chemistry was actually there, but like uh, for said, what it was supposed to be. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Bergman was great, but like AJ said, didn't Hitchcock petition for Cary Grant? He did, yeah. Well, but then that's on his feet again, so fuck. Honestly, <laughs> we well, should have I mean, listened yeah, to Selznick. Hitchcock and Cary Grant were like frequent collaborators, so that's his boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think Bergman was great. Brains was good. The Nazi mom. She was fun. Elon Musk's mom, yeah. Elon Musk, yeah. May Musk. Um, What other... You know, everyone else was just kind of like there. I thought the guys that they got to play, the Nazis, looked very Nazi. I know, that was one thing I noticed. I was like, these guys look like they committed crimes. Yeah, when they're like introducing him and like each guy gets more and more. More sinister. They're like, "Mm, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, also the way that like that one dude, I think it was Alexander. How he's like, I'm going to go kill this other guy because he looked at the bottle weird. You're like, yeah, that guy's definitely a Nazi. That guy's a Nazi. (laughs) It was their whole thing was like so strange. It's like they were basically just had a little clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had like a, they just the had boys a clubhouse. Club. Yeah. With the mom, like the bringing them pizza rolls. <laughs> they still shit. live with his mom. He's going to take the over mom? the world. That was a great addition. See, all that stuff was so good. Yeah. The him going, <laughs> yelled that by his mom because he was trying to get the keys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, Cary Grant just uh, didn't help. It didn't help. It did help at parts when it felt like the movie was trying to make Devlin seem like kind of a little brat, like a little pouty asshole, um, which he was frequently. But but then it's like, honestly, she should just not. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they were going for with Cary Grant. Not fall in love with this. Yeah. It said that I mean, he was playing against was like type, nothing. but he wasn't really. He just wasn't playing a type. His his character also, so nothing. There's his nothing motivations. There. His motivations are weird and kind of flippant in some scenes where it's like, I can't believe you'd have sex with Sebastian, and he's like, Well, no, I totally believe you'd have sex with Sebastian. You're kind of a whore, and you're like, well, So what is it? Why are you surprised? Yeah. You're upset? Are you? What, what's what's? Well, he's what's, just what's, like he's fucking snippy because he's the worst spy ever because he instantly caught feelings for the his fucking um whatever he is his honeypot yeah his fucking honeypot immediately caught feelings and it's like wait a minute no you would actually be fucking (laughs) why are you you fucking this sucks Like, like that, that did upset yeah. me. It's like uh, Adam twenty two like, on Twitter. Do you guys know Adam twenty two? I know. Adam I saw that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my god. So he's <laughs> going on a tirade on Twitter because people keep calling him a cuck because his wife, you know, fucked another dude, and he's like, "I'm not a cuck. If that makes me a cuck, then fine. I'm a cuck. But you're a cuck too. It's not that weird." 
Yeah, he's like it, it takes a real man to embrace the cuck mindset. So here's the thing that's <laughs> odd. That's because like I've seen uh, apparently like they had an open relationship where like he would fuck other women, and now yeah. she's just fucking other men. And so it's like it's just an open relationship. You're not really a cuck. I don't know why you're getting so offended. Like, I know it's like, dude, you you fucking porn stars, calm down. Man. Yeah, right. Your, your wife, your wife is a porn star. That's like part of the game, right? Right. <laughs> right yeah he did this like long tweet thread just talking about like it's been a week since my wife was with another man and i didn't know how i'd feel about it at first it's like dude you have probably fucked 50 women that are not your wife at this point you know more yeah, than that. relax like yeah also you're getting the fuck porn stars frequently with like very little like issue i don't know it seems like a pretty good gig and you are the dumbest looking man to ever live too like yeah, your name your name is adam 22 <laughs> Like you count your you blessings numbers. Fucking, yeah, count your you blessings. numbers in your name. Man. God damn it. I can't believe we talk about Adam 22 on our episode about Hitchcock's Notorious. Uh, yeah. I feel like I should give it an extra star yeah. for doing that. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so this next review comes from Carol Seagrave. And this is one of the most infuriating reviews, personally, that I've ever read. Oh. This is my least favorite review I've ever had on this. Bear with me. Uh, they said, Cary Grant didn't seem to have chemistry with anyone in any film ever. Also not sure if he could act. That's, those <laughs> that's a bold words. That's like, I want to just sit them down and, you know, Ludovico them, just make them watch Cary Grant have amazing chemistry with every other actress he's ever uh, had a movie with and all the different roles he could play, the both comedy and dramas. Cary Grant's one of my favorite <laughs> actors. I love that goofy dude. I love yeah. it more in screwball mode, but to say that he couldn't act, you're a dumb, dumb, dummy, dumb, dumb person, dummy. <laughs> Stupid. I'm more of a Jimmy Stewart guy myself. Yeah, you read I'm more Jimmy Grant. Stewart. I'm more Jimmy Stewart. Ellis, if you had told me that you were related to Jimmy Stewart, I would honestly believe it. If you're just like, oh yeah, he was my grandpa. I wish I don't know. I could see you in a Mr. <laughs> Smith uh, take on Washington role. He's definitely yeah. He's you know Ooh, I definitely gravitate. Suave. Who Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a yeah. big suave. He doesn't Jimmy's, sound that suave. I'll, Jimmy Stewart. I don't know if I would describe Jimmy Stewart as suave. He's very like no? wholesome and you know he's a he, nice guy. He looks hot. Is what I'm saying. He can why. be. I think Cary Grant, Cary Grant just oozes suave. Jimmy Stewart's more the like, yeah. oh shucks, you're gonna pick on the little guy. Oh, I'm here to uh, represent the people. So I don't, I haven't seen this range yet. So that could be, we'll see. You yeah. haven't seen you haven't, Jimmy Stewart or I anything? I, I, I haven't seen much of films before 1960. It's my real thing. So, well, uh, here I have a review from. Adelaide. You gotta start your homework. This is a good segment. This is the review that Adelaide gave me when I asked them if they wanted to watch a movie from the 40s with me. They said, they make new movies because old movies are old. What? I mean, yeah. I I was like, honestly, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. This is an old-ass movie. This is what I would call an old-ass movie. I love old-ass movies, so... There are old-ass movies that are old-ass movies, but there are old-ass movies that are still very good. Yeah, for a modern audience like Casablanca or Citizen Kane. I need to learn to stop expecting everyone to like those old ass Borg movies like me. Like I watched Nanochka 
the other day and I was recommending it. I was like, no, dude, it's awesome. It's it's an Ernst Lubitsch film. And I'm like, oh, no, these, yeah. no. Yeah. I'm 24. What am I saying? So get this. You're sitting in a regular train station, but. But all of a sudden comes it comes into it. it. No, it's true. It looks like it's going to hit you, but it doesn't. It doesn't hit you. So um, the thing is, they take a trip to I the mean, moon. If if mm-hmm. you wanted to be a real hipster, you could talk about here's a horse moving, <laughs> frame by frame. <laughs> and get this, it does take all of its hooves off the ground at one time. Yeah. All right. So you know this factory. <laughs> so setting a factory, the workers leave. <laughs> this big summer temple what if they just start rebooting all of the like lumiere brothers movies they make a lumiere <laughs> this, cinematic universe this summer the work there's a leaving the factory. <laughs> man sprayed with hose flashpoint in a world where there were no butterflies sitting on a flower a butterfly sits on a flower. Oh, uh, okay. So this is so unrelated to the bit, but I saw a hummingbird the other day, and that shit was amazing. Oh yeah. If you had hummingbirds, what? did you film it? What? No, I, I, didn't, I didn't even think of it. I was so transfixed on that hummingbird. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, my mom had a uh, a hummingbird feeder, and oh, or just a bird feeder in general. But <laughs> sorry, my voice keeps. Nervous. Uh, I'm nervous. I'm just I I get shy when I'm talking publicly. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So I would come and watch the hummingbirds, and they would just suck the syrup out. We like, set up one of those, but it's yeah. only been squirrels that have gone to it. Yeah, you got to get the ones uh, where it's like covered and where it's just got like a tiny little hole for it. My grandma used to have a bird feeder that squirrels would like just glob onto, and she would sit from the counter and just shoot at them with a BB gun. That's awesome. I would, do that. <laughs> I would just, I would be like six years old and I hear, God damn it. And then she would run to the closet, grab a BB <laughs> gun, and start shooting at the bah! squirrels. That sounds like just a amazing day just sitting on the porch. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Sometimes my grandpa would have us like set up objects for him to shoot with the BB gun. He'd be like, put that basketball there. I'm going to hit it. Yeah. <laughs> just bounce right off. So that was all I had for bad letter boys. That's all. The okay. Same. I have some other topics we could discuss. Like, Gabe, did you watch all of The Idol? No, I've watched the fifth episode. Yeah, I have to do that. But I don't care about spoilers, obviously. I did I did love in the fourth episode how he's getting... He is getting cucked in that scene, which I thought was hilarious. I love the idea of this, like, psychotic, like, narcissist getting cucked. I thought it was just funny to watch. So, um, sorry, if, if you guys haven't watched it. The I have not. I haven't seen any of The Idol. I watched is it, like 30 minutes of the first episode. Is it fun to watch? It looks real yeah, bad. Yeah, it's fun and then like where you're like, why the fuck are you doing this? Okay. It's, there's so many things like I, I feel like the overall narrative is that it's like um the cautionary tale or it's like talking about like the sexualization of young child stars. A cautionary uh, tale of what happens when you let Sam Levinson make a TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cause it it, it really it, it, oh. it's like <laughs> if the message is don't sexualize pop stars, it's it's all you're doing is sexualizing somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually thing. it's actually bad to stare at this huge titty girl. I gotta. Yeah, that's actually a bad thing. That's a bad Ellis, thing. I gotta run yeah. you through what the first episode is like. I only watched the first thirty minutes of the first episode, and I was like, "Yeah, this is just gonna be what I think it is." But the opening like conflict is that Lily Rose Depp is doing a photo shoot, but the waiver says no nudity, and she keeps taking off her shirt. And they're like, "Hey, you have to cover up." Your writer says 
no nudity. If you want to change that, we're going to have to go through court. And they're like, yeah. but it's my body and it's my art. And they're painting this dude who's just, he, he's literally he's an um, intimacy director. Yeah, the intimacy coordinator. Yeah, they're yeah, painting yeah, him like yeah. he's some big stuffy nerd when he's like, hey, yeah. no, there's like a contract that we've signed where if you, know, if you want to show skin, we can amend it, but it's going to take a little bit. And they're like, you're ruining the photo shoot by not letting her get naked. Right. Yeah. I well, see. also, he, here's the thing. Just this same like sitting at the typewriter, like, uh -huh. like yeah. I, I, I want to do a, I want to do a cinema sins kind of thing where I go through and like pick out. But like, there are more scenes with Lily Rose's de like depths, nipples and tits fully out than there are scenes without her tits out. Which I think this movie, this might, this show might yeah. be free the nip show, but it's like, guys, it's gratuitous because you're sexualizing her. How often do you see the weekend's nipples? A couple times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, but but no, but you like, see his cock. No, no. And I feel like he's of not course. Cracking. And guess what? It's HBL, so that's not an issue. It is an issue. It is it's not an not, issue. Yeah, it's not an issue. But here's the thing, though, too, because it's like what's odd is that it's like if it's a free the nip thing, I can get that. That's fine. I don't give a fuck. But the it's thing made is, by Sam Levinson, so it's made by Sam Levinson. It's kind of expected, almost, right? But like, um. It's it's that the the character the titular character um, Lily Rose whatever Jocelyn is a character is like constantly being like 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 manipulated and like like psychologically tormented by this guy or like right. so it's like I don't know there's yeah. nothing empowering here that she's literally a submissive character that's being taken advantage of so now now right. having her tits out is like almost degrading her further I don't know right. I I don't, I don't like the feeling right it I mean I haven't seen it. And I'm really just basing this off of, yeah, shit I've heard. And also what I have seen of Euphoria, which is about like a half of the first season. But it is, yeah, it's, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like you're doing something and you're claiming that like you're doing it as some kind of like critique or a way to investigate or say something about it, but you're not, you're just doing it you know like yeah. it's um you know it's it's like movies that are just like so overly violent and cartoonishly violent where it's like you've taken everything out of this there's like no meat here so i i i i i i can i'm fine with that actually if you're going to be gratuitous but it's like don't try to like make intellectualize it, seem, it. Yeah, don't don't try to intellectualize like like something that's just supposed to be visceral if that's all right. it is because that's i mean if i imagine how shitty crash would be if they're trying to intellectualize it i think that yeah. would like make that movie horrible but they're well, just like no this is cool look, at it, look it, at it part of it too is that i don't know it seems like sometimes people think like it just kind of comes naturally out of it like the the sex the nudity is the the theme it is the content instead of like a way to use it um you know like it's like if the only way you can show that someone is being exploited sexually is like by literally just showing her tits every single second you get and saying yeah and saying like show your tits or else i'm gonna slap you bitch you know it's like <laughs> is that is that saying any it, you know what is that saying at all um what is it saying no. sam yeah. What is it saying, Sam? It's saying that you need to be locked up, honestly. So, like, one of my, one of my favorite it sucks movies, too. It does. One of my favorite films is, like, Playtime, which doesn't say a goddamn thing. And I'm fine yeah. with a movie. Like, like, a movie doesn't have to say anything. But don't act like it's 
saying hey, something. Hey, that movie definitely not. has a message. We talked about it on the episode about... You think it does? Yeah, know. about the industrialization making everything, like, we all just seem like small little objects in these little boxes. There's no creativity anymore. Everything is just gray. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess you could, I guess it does say something, actually. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I guess I wasn't giving enough credit. Yeah, yeah Playtime is pretty help. directly a mess, is a satire on That's the true, yeah. corporatization of the world. I just enjoy it for the, like, the, I don't know. You I just I like, like the vibes and the silly French I like the right? vibes. Yeah, I do like the, it's yeah, I, I have a very simple mind. I'm like, yeah, Frenchie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you like to say Frenchman. Yeah. Silly, silly clown man sits on the chair. Funny. I, I, I was smiling. I had a good time. But, you know, yeah, there is some playtime satire there. Yeah. Yeah, I like playtime. Um, no, yeah. I mean, Euphoria's got the same thing. Sorry. I, I feel like this is kind of fun to talk about that. Hey, AJ, sorry, 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 AJ, bring, put, yeah, leave the family guy on there. You, <laughs> anyways, I have, a, sorry. I have a little list of topics to discuss, and we've talked about most of them, but one of my other options was family guy. I don't know how we'll work it in, but that's just always a well that we go back to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the idle Woody Allen family guy. We can cook on those for a while. Uh, all right. I cut you off, Ellis. You were saying something. Oh, I was just saying there's more I could say about Euphoria in that it's like just it's just like yeah, I don't know. His whole thing is literally is just pushing a boundary that isn't there. You know, like we've yeah. already like the whole thing with like, oh, bare full frontal and like just to, you know, be gratuitous, do all that. It's like you're making a fucking HBO show in 2023. <laughs> For decades, we've seen nips on TV. Hell yeah, you know, brother. It's not about, like, there's no, there is nothing there. There's nothing to, like, um, there's nothing to shatter. There's no boundaries to break. There's so, no lines to cross anymore. Well, one, one concerning idea that's coming up right now in the idol, and we'll see how this last episode ties it together, is that um, Lily Rose Depp is becoming more creative once she has an abusive, authoritative figure in her life. Sure, yeah. Where it's like, so are we rooting for the abusive, authoritative figure? Is that supposed to be good for the titular character, or it's good. are we supposed to are we supposed to be like sympathetic to the whole like way that works? I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to say. They just keep What's... introducing things, and they're not really being like, like, I I, I, yeah. I I don't feel guided as an audience as an observer. What's good for the artist is bad for the soul, you know, maybe it's like yeah. that. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Maybe I should watch it. Maybe, maybe I'll just go get really drunk and watch it. That sounds a good, yeah, that's probably the best way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've kind of debated because part of it just seems like, oh no, this looks like it's just going to be fucking horrible. I, um, yeah, no, I tried to get like euphoria shot and then, um, and then it just didn't like really click. I was like, eh, whatever. And then, like when the second season came out, and like yeah, every single shot of the trailer was Sydney Sweeney in a bikini, I was like, I appreciate well, yeah. it, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but I understand the purpose of this show, and I don't think I need to watch it. Um, so anyway, Sam Levinson, Sam Levinson gives me the vibe of like a freshman in college who just got into photography, but like the only pictures he takes are of nude girls. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Of all the girls in the theater department or whatever. Yeah. 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 That does about sum it up. 
but um, I don't watch Family Guy that much, so I can't really. I, I you guys are gonna have to no, you, on that first. Yeah, yeah, you're not you're not supposed to watch it. You're supposed to be like, okay, so who would play who? It's almost kind of an easy one though. Well, okay, well, is it easy? Let me hear. Um, I don't think this one's easy. This is you gonna take say, some thought yeah, here. I, I think I think it's yeah, quite Meyer supposed to be. A, okay, wait, no. One be... easy one is uh, Claude Rains. His character would be Stewie easily. Yeah. That, okay. I mean, Nazi Stewie easily. Nazi the question Stewie. is, or sorry, go on. Is Brian Cary Grant or is that Peter? Like, depending on how we take the story, is the parody like because Brian's more Cary Grant esque, but Peter yeah. would be a better funny take on that character so how would we cast it personally i don't think he, i mean here's the thing my real issue is who you get to play i'm sorry what was her name again uh ingrid bergman yeah i just say ingrid, ingrid bergman. bergman i don't remember alicia huberman alicia yeah i mean um, it's got to be lois at that point which would yeah but then you have lois banging her it's lois on lois or meg <laughs> i mean i would... gotta be it's lois meg wouldn't work yeah. Hey, for the uh, Family Guy Star Wars, they had Lois as Leia and Chris as Luke. Yeah, they're and... playing characters, Gabe. It's yeah, it's like when yeah. the Muppets do a movie. It's our version of that. Yeah, I see, yeah, I suppose so. Just don't worry about. Just don't worry about that <laughs> so much. <laughs> what are you getting all concerned about all that for? I I would actually say Stewie is the mom. Stewie, that's the how mom. I put Stewie. Ooh. Yeah. Would Brian was, be the lead Nazi then? I would get put Brian as the Nazi. I think I, I really think, think making Peter Griffin the Nazi is hilarious though. Mm, I don't know why. By main Nazi, do you mean Claude Rains or are you do you mean that Alex? Probably Claude Rains, but that probably doesn't work. Yeah. I don't know. You let's see. Anyway, okay. yeah. Let's start up. Hold on. What about okay, wait, hold on? Hold on. Hold can, I pitch, can, I, can I pitch something? Can I pitch something? Yeah, yeah. I want to pitch something. Yeah, yeah. So Stewie as Claude Rain's character, and then is Teddy Bear Rupert as the mom. Yeah. So you okay. only yeah. ever hear one side of the conversation. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to marry her mother." Well, don't be cross. <laughs> Sounds like Psycho then at this point. Yeah, <laughs> which is very Hitchcock. Yeah, it's pretty good actually. Which that would Stewie would also be a good uh, Norman. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm a little mad sometimes. We could do that. Yeah. Lois Ingrid Bergman. Uh, I think Chris has got to fit in there somewhere. Um, you should try to reserve this game for when there's a large ensemble. Like our yeah. Mary Linden one was a slam dunk. Some that of was the best content we've ever made. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Chris could be email. Which one's he? Yeah, the, the, he's one the, of the Nazis. killed right away. Yeah, he's the one yeah. that gets killed. Yeah, that would work. Who gets driven off of a cliff, I guess. Um, oh, there's another nitpick I have about the movie, too. While we're on it. Well, we're when... knee-deep in Family Guy. <laughs> well, we're knee-deep in Family Guy. Um, Claude Rains is, just as like Cary Grant is a terrible spy, Claude Rains is terrible at avoiding getting spied on. Because this man really watches like his past love of his life resurface right after her dad gets, you know, captured by the police. And then she's like saying how much she just suddenly loves him out of nowhere. 
And then in this same conversation, he notices there's a U.S. intelligence agent two tables away from him. And he does not question it's his those circumstances at all. He's got those blinders he's, on. He's got those blinders yeah. on. He's like, oh, that guy, yeah, he's yeah, he's with the CIA. I don't know what he would be doing over here. Look, he's um, willing to risk it all for Ingrid Bergman and can't right. really blame him. You can't blame him, but yeah. I can blame him. He's a Nazi. I think. Uh, you can I think blame him for deserves... a lot of stuff, but not for love. Yeah, well, it's true. It's true. Love is the death of duty. Um, so there's a I think we're good on Family Guy. We got enough material out of yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm kind of winding down. I haven't eaten yet. I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting I, hungry. Yeah, it's it's okay. eleven yeah. for me. So yeah, I, let's start. Oh yeah, yeah, East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I have, uh, I've eaten. Let's do um, final thoughts. Ellis, start us out. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't really. I guess I didn't really have too much to say about this movie. Um overall just that it had a lot of really great elements i thought the spy stuff was great there's one scene that i that we didn't talk about but uh the scene at the not the, at the end but um at the party where they almost get caught and they have to kiss to hide it is like the one of the one scenes where everything kind of lined up for me i thought that was the best scene so I just wanted to throw that out there. So I love stuff like that. I loved all the spy stuff. I loved, you know, the craft of it. I loved all the overhead shots, the shots going down the stairway and everything. I just did not believe Cary Grant when he said he loved her. And that's my thought. Can you ever really believe them, though? I believe, yeah, I believe them. I believed Ingrid Bergman when she said that she loved him. Uh, or I at least believe that there was a feeling that she was reaching out. Um, and, you know, I believed her with Claude Rains. You know, obviously she was lying, but, the you know, the character's lying. So I believed the character. Um, but I did not believe Carrie. Sorry. I know you love him. I love Carrie Grant. This yeah. movie aside, I'm not going to stick I, uh, up for him in this one. It's a rare I, Grant L. I always believe Jimmy Stewart. Not yeah, that really. it may no, it makes so much sense that you're a Jimmy Stewart guy over a Cary Grant guy, and that's not actually, a negative in any form. I love Jimmy Stewart. I just watched a Jimmy Stewart movie today. Which one? Winchester seventy three. I haven't heard of that. What is that? It's uh one of the westerns that I did with Anthony Mann. Um, it's like it's like he and some other guy are just chasing each other over the, throughout the west to get a gun that's like the best the best gun and then at the end it turns out they're brothers that's how you sell a fucking movie right there yeah um, is, 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 is the title literally just like the gun model winchester yeah it's the winchester yeah. 73 yeah. um and it was they say it's like it was like a they, they call it the one in a thousand because it's like somehow a perfect gun every guy who like touches like oh i gotta have oh, this gun they just they I all just have this like gun. oh yeah it's well. crazy they all love it um <laughs> and it also from it also has a early first appearance not for, but a very early appearance of uh, Tony Curtis in a small role in it. And then Rock Hudson plays a uh, Indian 
Who? talks about how the white men always steal things from uh, them. <laughs> so, uh, the old times. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it was 1950. Um, uh, I think it was 1950. That's, that is amazing. So how many buckets of popcorn would you give Notorious? Uh, I would give it um, one bucket of popcorn because that's how much I get at the movies. Because I would go and see it in the movies. Small, mm-hmm. regular, large. Uh, I would give it just a. Regular. I I would give it a small, small mm-hmm. popcorn. I'll just give it a small popcorn. Yeah. How mad do you think Hitchcock would be if you heard someone reviewing his movie and they, <laughs> and they give it yeah. one small bucket of popcorn? Just a small popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Well. Ugh. Whatever. He's, He's dead. a prick. Gabe, what do you think? Um, I kind of picked this one on a whim. I saw it was a Hitchcock, and you know, I mean, I think uh, I'll, I'll give Terry this: is that uh, I think he was trying to be an austere, cold, calculated man in this film, but uh, maybe that maybe it just was a little too austere, a little too cold, or you know, I I get that. I, I and I have no real like skin in the game on this film choice. It it really was like, hey, I I know Hitchcock is supposed to be good. I'll I'll pick this out. So um, I did enjoy this film. I thought it looked great, but uh, yeah. No, I guess I guess I'll get this a medium popcorn because that's what I usually like. I like to I like a little meat with butter. Mm. Okay. I mean, I would add butter to the small popcorn. I oh guess, yeah, no, no, that's that that that's inferred. What about so yeah. if you don't duds? get butter, if if you don't get maybe some milk duds, if you don't get oh, butter on your popcorn, yeah. dude, yeah, milk duds, duds if, if you don't the popcorn, butter, butter on top. Whoa, dang, okay. But if you Get don't some truffle your butter, truffle, truffle butter? fucking butter. Oh no. my god. They had this at the Elmo Draft House. Is truffle butter tastiest thing I've ever eaten? I'm gonna have to try that because that's where I'm seeing Barbie. You seen it at the Alamo? I am seeing that at Alamo, yeah. Dude, we'll Gabe, you need to experience an Alamo. This shit's wild. And I then need, I'm I need to experience an actual theater. AMC. Alamo yeah. is not like the an actual theater that I would say is yeah. the best you know for it's a novelty it's fully a novelty like it's very distracting in the wrong circumstances i've seen some yeah. of the, i saw crimes of the future at the alamo draft house i saw the tragedy <laughs> i saw tragedy of macbeth at alamo draft house really just like eating pizza <laughs> watching tragedy yeah. of Macbeth. <laughs> yeah you could have some great screen. i saw pride and prejudice at an alamo draft house which was fun a brunch pride and prejudice screen oh my god what you forget about it yeah that was Mm, delish were you on a date i was on the date um and there were many there were many girlies there all the girlies were having a great time that would be a fun evening outing uh all right it's on to me what did i think uh i don't know i don't have a whole lot of love for this movie i have it on criterion i actually just blind bought it one year and i've watched it twice didn't really like the first time Felt about the same this time. It's got some good stuff in it. I like the idea, the story. Uh, I think Cary Grant is out to lunch, and it's sad to see because he's one of my boys. And I would give this one a 36 out of 65. Okay. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, not halfway. If you, do, if you do the math, you you don't get it. It's gone over you. Uh, but yeah. thank you for listening to this episode, all of our loyal best friends and listeners. Be sure to come back next week. We'll be talking about bringing up baby, 
hopefully with some cool guests if they can't make it then that's life if not then it'll be whatever uh ellis thank you so much for coming on do you have anything you want to plug uh no nothing want to plug just want to say thank you for having me on i appreciate it very much it's fun absolutely Ooh, you're welcome, you're welcome you. back anytime i'm sure i'll send you the schedule sometime Ooh. in the future send me the schedule when you got it and i'll pick it out um faster this time because i would have more to say about more struck but <laughs> oh, yeah. that one was always Addie's. that was never yeah over. fair enough okay. that was i asked Addie what movie they would like to talk about and they said moonstruck fair enough that's a great one i love yeah. moonstruck so much snap uh, out of it <laughs> yeah i lost my hand i lost my pride have you ever seen a uh, vampire's kiss no with nick okay. cage nick cage yeah yeah it's, i've seen vampire's kiss yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. same same era same um yeah. vibe of character so, yeah. doesn't, he, doesn't he say that he's like inspired by like german expressionism acting right this is supposed Probably. to be like insane that's what he says i think he's just out of his fucking mind oh uh, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll get into that in a couple <laughs> weeks when we cover moonstruck there's gonna be a lot of impressions it's gonna be a really zany episode like you remember our bill murray episode our murray christmas it's gonna be that but probably nuttier thank you all for listening be sure to follow us on instagram spotify apple uh youtube i keep forgetting to plug the youtube we have a youtube link it's in the process and yeah just you know stay being cool uh give people high fives if you're friends with them uh, call your mom no, on a regular no, no. basis. Go to, go to strangers and try to high five. Go to strangers, <laughs> spit in their face. Um, and we'll Spread see. The love. And we'll see. <laughs> and we'll see you <laughs> at the movies.